You are a blooming flower only if you could open your heart to the possibilities of you. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. Here we have conversations to free your heart, mind, and soul. I am your host, Cordelia Gaffar, the ultimate joy goddess and the possibility of joy within you. I guide women who look powerful on the outside, yet feel voiceless on the inside, to be replenished and aligned. Are you ready for the sacred experience of you? Are you ready for your soul's medicine? I call that four mind alignment, which recalibrates your body wisdom from your lotus up to your stomach up to your heart and completes your full transformation in your mind. Move and explore your lotus mind, feed and nourish your stomach mind, acknowledge and accept your heart mind, transcend your logical mind with sleep. Be free to be using ancient body wisdom in conversation, in community, and in practice. Be free to be. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. Today, I am really excited to have this conversation with a new friend of mine who is kind of old because I think we think we discovered that we've known each other for a while, but we just started talking. We were inspired intuitively one day to hop on a call and um, and we have so much common ground. And so today I introduce you to Claudia Chapman, who is the owner of the Goddess Studio in London. And she's a woman empowerment coach and she, um, I'm going to say she helps women to free themselves um, in menopause and postmenopause to be multi-orgasmic. So welcome to the Free to Be show. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you know, when we met today, we were, um, I guess, both struck by what's been recently happening in Israel and Palestine. And, you know, we, we mutually, you know, cried about why brothers and sisters are killing themselves, killing each other. And, um, you know, just the ability to have a conversation as adult women and cry together, you know, because we love humanity so deeply is uh i i don't know that people are having those kind of conversations easily would you say that um would you say that it's easy for you to cry as a as an adult right because you allow yourself to feel or um, like there, I feel myself as no different between my, my five-year-old self and my, my 50 something year old self. 
So what, what would you say to that? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always, even as a five-year-old self, been able to be um, able to feel things quite deeply. Um, you know, I, I kind of had a bit of a clairvoyant gift as a child and um, and actually relating, I haven't actually said this to you before, but um, kind of relating that clairvoyancy and that feeling what's just come up for me is that I predicted um Terry Waite being um kidnapped which actually kind of relates into what we're talking about today um and I was very young at the time and um but I shut down my clairvoyancy and then it just became kind of uh because it was quite scary to have uh to know things that you other people maybe didn't know or feel so um, as a child, um, I shut that down, but I could feel things very strongly and very sensitive to other people's emotions. Do I feel them more strongly now? Yeah, maybe I do. And, and I think because as an adult working um, um, in the realms that I do, working with the body and the body, mind and spirit and the kind of um, understanding of really dropping into my needs as a woman um, and surrendering into my body has allowed me to become more sensitive to the needs of others and the outside world. And yeah, I think um, my response of crying to the external world um, uh, has, has probably become more prevalent, yeah. Yeah, so I I heard in there that you've always felt very deeply and you think that perhaps, you know, being clairvoyant and being intuitive <clears throat> are two things that help you to stay connected in your body. You know, we think of sometimes these... Um, clairvoyance and intuition we think as those are more ethereal things but I feel like once you're completely embodied and you embrace those gifts right you're able to feel your um soul senses just as easily as you feel your physical senses yeah yeah because when they're separate then we can be two in our heads um, so, so when you just have like this, think of the spiritual realm just being in the head, if you stay in the head, then you can be kind of, maybe in the old days, you know, they'd lock you up, you know, it was like psychosis and people still suffer from psychosis because they're so in the head. But I think because I feel things in the body, I can make sense of the stuff that happens in my head. Because nothing is disconnected. So um, although I have had trauma and I've worked worked through trauma um, and quite recent trauma, the, the historic trauma that came up during the pandemic for me, I think because I've done the work uh, around that trauma um, since, I feel more and more embodied in that ability to 
to make sense of the spiritual realms, to make sense of the spiritual realms and the, the, the bodily realms, as it were, without flying off into psychosis or, um, you know, that some people might call psychosis, uh, you know, but I feel quite grounded. And I think that's that's what the body's there for, isn't it? To, to remind you that you are in a body. <laughs> you know, we, we are spirit in a body and that we have to be embodied, that we have to know that we have a body to keep us on this, on this realm. Because, um, you know, there is the possibility in this day and age of, you know, the conversations around what you might call 5D and 3D, you know, sort of spiritual realms that you can be taken off um taken off somewhere you know quite literally if you don't stay in a body on this planet and um yeah I, I I have the ability I'm blessed I feel blessed with the ability to understand the esoteric but also to understand that I'm in a body I'm in a physical body I'm a mom I have three children I live here in London in the UK I you know the, 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 and that I'm grounded so yeah there's there is always that connection but yeah being embodied and doing the work I do uh with the goddess chakra dance and the yoga um it keeps me embodied on a daily basis and I think having a daily practice is really important and that's something um that's coming through really strongly uh, for me. Um, and that if I had to give one message to, to women who may be listening to this, is have a daily practice to stay in your body. Yeah. And, and so tell me how you're the, cause you actually created this. Is it Shakti dance? Um, I I've named it Goddess Chakra Dance. Uh, okay. And Goddess, it's a journey out of your head and into your body, mm -hmm. um, and and it's a combination of Kundalini yoga practices, uh, somatic movement, dance, um, mantra, um, meditation, and uh, Reiki healing. And it's a, it's a practice that kind of, you know if you had all day to do all the things that make you healthy, um, then great. But I decided that I had to take all the things that I knew would make me healthy and put them all together in, in a one hour practice that I could do every day. Um, and then, so I do, and I share it um, with other women, um, both online and replay through my, um, through my platform, through my app. Um, the goddess uh, studio n14 um so yeah I, I it's a practice that i really truly believe in like every time i think you know i do it every day whether people show or they don't show or they watch it on youtube or they don't watch it on youtube i i kind of believe in it so much because um i just feel like it, it's the answer to to our healing our, our embodiment of of the body mind and spirit and um yeah yeah, I truly yeah. believe in it. I love that because, you know, I love to dance too. <laughs> and I I believe that proportionately, since we are more body than brain, being in your body um, and connecting to your heart is the way to uh, uh, really allow um, you to connect to your intuition. I'm going to say that. I was going to say something different before. Um and it connects us to the possibility of 
more deeply connecting with another human, you know? And so if you're fortunate enough to have um, a partner that, you know, that uh, embodiment within helps you to connect more deeply with your partner. And if I'm going to say, even if you're fortunate enough not to have a partner, then it's an opportunity to connect more deeply with yourself. Because as we were speaking about before we started recording, women do tend to compartmentalize to your point about um, caring about what's external versus what's internal, right? And that is the the first division that we create, right? Or just like we need what's outside of us to complete us. We don't believe that we have everything inside. And it sounds like your practice allows what's inside to complete the women you work with. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is accurate because we work on each chakra in the body, and each chakra in the body also has a goddess archetype. So, you know, taking us back to humanity and how are we gonna um, get through all that we're gonna get through in the world? Humanity needs the divine feminine. It needs the goddess, and we have the goddess within us. In each 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 chakra of our body has a different archetype, and that's how I place them so that women can understand that they have the power themselves to be their own healers um so yeah um yeah just just going i'm just trying to remember what your question was um so yeah, yeah women get to complete themselves right. internally through your practice so do you you want to take us through the different uh goddess archetypes is that the best way to go about this yeah so we understand sure. okay um, so, so in the root chakra, um, which, you know, is, is the root of your body, uh, from, from, from your yoni down to your, to, to your feet is, is, is the root chakra. Um, and this is where we have the mother archetype. So the mother earth connected to mother earth to, to connected to us as mothers. So mothers of children and mothers of projects. Um, it's about our safety and our grounding and our security. Um, so, so this is all about, yeah, keeping us, you know, as I was saying about being in a body and being spiritual, this is the beginning practice of, you know, understanding that we all have the mother archetype within us. We all have the nurturing archetype within us, the grounding uh, possibility like I say whether you are a mother you're not a mother have a womb don't have a womb it's it's irrelevant if you're if you're a woman and you're born with that womb space then you have that ability so um we work with 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 that um and then we move to the the sacral chakra we move to the temptress and the creatrix so the idea that we have this sacred sexuality and sensuality within our bodies um that allow us to be creative, to nurture those projects, to nurture those children, to, to nurture what we want to bring through into the world. Um, and this is also the water element. So um, yeah, so we have the water, we have earth, we have water. Um, and then we have the solar plexus, which is our warrior goddess. This is where we step into our power, where we, where we cut away the limiting beliefs, where we make secure boundaries, where we stop people pleasing, where we place ourselves first. 
Um, and it's our fire element. So we burn away all the fear and the shame and the guilt from the lower chakras in our solar plexus. Um, and so, you know, this is in, 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 through the through the chakra dance. This is these are these are the dances we do. We have like um, like with the root, we have a drumming movement. With the sacral, we have a waving movement, a hip movement. And in the solar plexus, it's kind of playing full out, making connection, playing full out and burning away. So then we move into the heart and the heart chakra is the inner child and the maiden. The inner child and the maiden, you know, the feelings around abandonment and rejection and humiliation and grief and trying to transmute and reframe our emotions and knowing that it's okay. Um, and, uh, you know, as children, as, as the inner child and as the maiden, you know, we are told all sorts of things that um, can make us feel insecure and, and, and ashamed. And we tap in here to those feelings of abandonment and rejection and humiliation and grief and transmute them into love and acceptance and uh, uh, forgiveness and trust and truth and all the things that we need. So this practice in the Goddess Chakra Dance journey is a very sensual practice, an ability to us to touch and feel our own bodies so that we, you know, um, we are aware of what is actually possible for us as women. Um, and men can do this practice too. You know, I've done it with men as well. Um, and then we move into the throat chakra, into the blue lotus, into opening up our medicine woman, the ability to heal ourselves through the words we speak, through the breath we take, through the body, through the food we eat. Um, and so this is mantra. This is where we practice mantra um, and singing and opening up ourselves to um to, to expressing ourselves fully and asking for what we want to communicate our needs, whether we're in partnership or alone, like you say, you know. Um, so yeah, this is a really beautiful space. And the thing about Carl Jung is that he missed out the medicine woman and his archetypes. And I really felt it was important that, you know, when I got this downloaded to me and I was working this through, it was really important to have the medicine woman there. Uh, especially in the throat and speaking up. Um, and then we move into the third eye, the wise woman, opening up our third eye to intuition. This is our meditation. This is our, um, our, our portal to understanding our truth um, and what our dharma is and what our purpose is. Um, so yeah, this is a meditation practice that we do within the Goddess Chakra Dance journey. And um, yeah, it has so many things like Carl Jung says, you know, um, we can't make the conscious, uh, sorry, the unconscious conscious until, so we, we will always call the, um, so we, we always call the unconscious, we will always call it, I kind of got it mixed up, we always call it fate until, we will always call things fate until we bring the unconscious to the conscious. <laughs> sorry mm. about that. So, so it's like, that's the meditation, that's, that's the um, invitation to be able to bring forward the boxes that we so neatly put away in our unconscious, to bring them forward into our third eye, to allow us to open up to our truth, because we shut away so many things. And especially 
women who've been traumatized we've kind of compartmentalized put things in boxes and we we can lose our memory I often talk to women who've who've kind of lost their memory they can't remember because they've had to to shut down their memory and then so through opening up the third eye and meditation it can be it can be scary for some but actually it's a revelation so so just putting that in there um and then, and then I, the I am curious on that point yeah. but I'm I'm gonna mm. come back and yeah. ask the question because yeah, okay. I don't want to yeah. interrupt sure so go ahead <laughs> and the last one is the crown um you wish you'd never ask the crown so the crown is the high priestess so the crown is where we place our crown on our head. We open ourselves up to our sovereignty, to being in leadership, to being connected to our highest expression, our highest self. And also when we wear our crown, we give permission for other women to wear their crown too. So this is in the practice that we do with the Gwede Chakra Dance. It's, we also do a Sat Kriya, which is um, a practice of elevation for a kundalini awakening. So all in the ethereals from the throat up, it's we practice a kundalini awakening, if you like. And we end with um, me sending Reiki healing to all of your chakras. Um, and all of this is, yeah, is a one hour practice. It but I also like coach through this. Yeah, I also coach through this practice. This whole method is, if you came to me for coaching, one-to-one -one coaching, I would also be using that method in my in my coaching and my healing with you on a one-to-one -one basis as well thank you for explaining each archetype and um i love how it's associated with each chakra so um my question is you work in women's empowerment and i find this curious you, you know this isn't something that is um something that I'm seeing in you only, but many women, they will quote male, uh, you know, philosophers or psychologists and, and Carl Jung of all people. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think my first, my first kind of um, connection to him was back when I did my dissertation when I was at university and I wrote a dissertation on the universal language of performance because um, so I've always been interested in in sort of communication and 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 humanity and bringing people together back even on 21 um, <laughs> and Carl Jung became the person as I was doing my studies became the person to look to and um, I do listen quite a lot to you know the Jungian and um, what are they called there's a podcast, um, analysts, yes, Jungian analysts, and yeah, um, in in the in the goddess um, and in the divine feminine, I know it's interesting to, to turn to 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 Carl Jung, but um, he's much more um, how you describe him. Um, you know, he's the, he's the I can't remember the word brain fog but the, the sort of the idea that he how do you describe him a philosopher you know he he definitely has some um you know sort of answers to 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 a lot of the spiritual elements like in kundalini yoga um for instance um you know Carl Jung practiced kundalini yoga 
So, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, he did. So okay. actually, he he always had a spiritual understanding of philosophy. Hmm. So yeah, so that's kind of he's always come my way, if you like, to guide quite a lot of my 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 understanding. Even hmm. though, you know. He's a man, but you know, <laughs> we, we can forgive him. We can forgive him. <laughs> I'm not anti-man. And... No, and I'm not too. I have two beautiful <laughs> sons. I have two beautiful sons and a and a wonderful husband. I'm absolutely blessed. Um, so kind of tongue-in-cheek there about that. Because we, we, we want to be quoting, we want to be quoting um, you know, females, right? This is what we want to be doing. So maybe in the future. That's what we we will be doing. We'll be quoting female psychologists, right? Um, Well, I mean, I I try to like in my books. I usually quote Dr. Candace Pert. You know, she is she was uh, actually in her later years. She became more spiritual after she met Deepak Chopra. But in the beginning, she was purely a scientist and immunologist, and um, then she fell off of her horse, you know, when she was riding and she had this experience with um, morphine and it um, really was a breakthrough in some research she was working on. So um, she connected the dots between uh, our body chemistry and our spirituality. You know, she found the, what does she call it? The, uh, the chain uh, of, what is God like in us, right? So she found the chemistry for the goddess in within us, you know, so we have access to, to, and she just died like maybe eight years ago, you know what I mean? So it's like, we, we do have female scientists, you know, and then we have, I, I dare say we have female philosophers that we could use. Like I quote, um, Eartha Kitt a lot. She was an actress, mm-hmm. right? But because of the depth of her embodied experiences in her life, and yeah. she was a dancer, right? A lot of her quotes are quite profound. Um, and Maya uh, Angelou, Maya Angelou, Maya, yeah, yeah, I she her, her work a lot for sure. She was a philosopher, mm. yeah. But mm. again, we call her a poet, you know, right, or an, a right. writer, right? So well, I, I things need feel, to change then, <laughs> right? I feel like they're yeah. almost diminished, but. Yeah. Um, no, I thank you for bringing Carl Jung into this. And <clears throat> you're right there. There isn't there's no reason why we can't quote men, you know, in the the feminine work that we do or even to empower ourselves, because, again, where we started in this conversation is we're that's part of being pro human, you know, and it's just tuning into the frequency of those who are like-hearted, right? And so not so much those who are like-minded, but I would say like-hearted because that is the the um the doorway to the spiritual realm, you know? And I, I think of it as ellipses going around our heart and around our bodies where we can connect with each other more deeply. And so through this uh, this uh, process of dance that you bring women into their bodies and out of their heads um, and help them to um, be more em- 
empowered with their internal, what have been the results with the women you're working with? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, a lot of the women I work with, they may not have come to me because they knew that they had trauma. Sometimes people come, women come to me and like with a presenting issue. So they'll have dis-ease in their body. So something's going on, you know, endometriosis or back pain. or So as a Reiki healer originally, that's how women were coming to me. Um, but then I was finding that that wasn't the root cause of their problem. And that's what I was realizing and then started to realize that I needed to coach around with the Reiki as well. Um, and and then so so now, yeah, I, I sort of very honestly present myself as a coach, um, but I use Reiki as a tool. Um, but but the, the, what's been going on with a lot of women is um, a lot of women when you dig deeper than the surface presenting problem, you know, the unfortunate thing I have found, or fortunate in some ways, has been the element of sexual trauma. Um, and even though that I believe to have just been co 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 cohesion, coercion, yeah. coercion, there has then been some shut down memories of actual sexual trauma. So, so what's so what's been occurring in many many of my clients? I mean, I call that in. I call that into my work. Um, I don't say I specifically work with women with sexual trauma, but I do call them in, like emotionally and energetically. I call them in, um, and it seems to be sort of with most women the underlying root cause and they hadn't realized that the reason why they self-sabotage in their lives or they people please or they make the same mistake not mistakes but um choices um in their lives is down to a, a childhood trauma and quite often um it's a sexual childhood trauma sometimes it's not sometimes it's witnessing um over sexualized behavior or incest I've had quite a lot of that happen um but yeah the majority of women that come to me have had a trauma that has they have shut down and they have compartmentalized in that box in the back of their mind and slowly has emerged um and yeah yeah, when you ask that question like that, I'm thinking about all my clients and like bottom line, even the ones that haven't actually kind of sort of are on my program because it's those that are on my program that open up the most because they come and they commit to, to, to spending time with me over a certain amount of time. So, you know, they're willing, whereas I know that it's the same story in many of like women who come for like a one-off session. So I try not to do too many of those. I mean, I like to do them, but I kind of want women to then, you know, really, but I can see, I can see even when they come that there is, um, there is, there is trauma and, and quite often sexual trauma. Yeah. I, I like that you brought up um, the distinction between the women that commit to doing the work with you for a period of time versus the ones that come for the one-off session. I want to highlight the importance of not doing just one-off sessions, you know, 
right? Because you were just saying there at the end, it's like there's something more deeper. And that is the standard of the Western medical system, right? Just go see your doctor, get your quick fix. You'll get some pills, right? And historically, that's not the way disease was handled. You know, it was understood that there was a prescribed set of um, behaviors that had to change over time, right? And um, along with, you know, foods, um, movement, dosages for sunlight or, you know, whatever. And um, so, you know, speak to that a little bit more. How do you get those women to understand you know, I understand you want to come for one session. However, yeah. it's more beneficial to, and, and so what does that conversation look like? Yeah. Um, it's funny. You just, you just like thinking about what you're saying. It's, it's great having this conversation. It's making things really clear right now for me. Um, that's why I gave up giving Reiki healing as such per se, because, um, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, it's good and it's good that it can give women the ability just to relax their bodies enough to let things kind of come through um but yeah I kind of encourage any woman that comes through my door and has a one-to-one session with me I will always encourage to take up um joining my find your inner goddess transformational program which um it offer is offered for a year, um, and it's a process of changing the the way that they they really want their lives to change. I do believe that it takes like seeing me once a month, doing all the other practices, the goddess chakra dance, kind of being in a tribe, being in a group of women, being hailed, coming to the group, kind of feeling a part of something, and to slowly make those shifts in your lives over a, over a, over a period of, of twelve months. I mean, it's not final that twelve months. But what I have noticed is that women who have committed to me for the 12 months, their shifts in their lives have been huge because what they've done is that they've kind of given themselves the spaciousness to kind of explore what's come up in a really sort of non um, sort of pressurized way that they've had the space in between to kind of do the homework as like you know they do have homework they go away and they they you know joy work whatever you want to call it and sort of write in their diaries be aware of their dream states um, write their wins kind of work through so things that have been embedded over 30 years 40 years take a while to unravel and the biggest thing I think I've seen for women who that commit have been the women who are now having the conversations with their their families that they didn't have before and that's been the biggest thing for me is hearing all these women saying okay I've had the opportunity now to talk to my families and reframe my childhood right they're reframing their childhood mm-hmm. so like somebody coming in for a one-to-one session who got back pain and, and going away after a year actually reframing their whole childhood Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm as I, 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 you know, the more I do the work, the more I want women to like focus on this program of change, because um, you know it, it can be life life transforming, and that's what I'm seeing is that 
that that um, women are actually changing their lives because they're choosing to. And, and I do find the younger women are the ones that are willing to to go on this journey and and actually do all the work and change things before they get to an age where they're like, it's OK, I've done that. I'm not going to start, you know, you know, poking my mum for answers when she's 80 I do find the younger women have still got younger parents. So it's kind of like they're in the 60s and it's kind of worth poking them around changing the narrative at, at their age, you know. Um, so maybe that's there's a correlation between working with younger women, uh, sort of older women who won't kind of go to their 80 year old parents and sort of change things. But um, it's never too late. It's never too late for any woman to change the narrative around what she perceived to be true in her childhood. And it always comes back. It always stems back to childhood trauma, everything. I don't know one, I haven't seen one uh, client that is not stemmed from uh, childhood trauma of some sort, the issue that's going on in their body, especially women with um, autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. you know um, fibromyalgia etc cetera, etc cetera. It, it like it, it always comes back down to trauma um and and the eye-opener for me was, was again a man uh, Gabor Mate listening to his work um over the last five years and just been like one epiphany after another when I listened to him and then listening to my clients and then I started kind of using what he was saying in my theory and kind of trying and then going, oh, gosh, you know, this is this is this is true that the dis-ease in the body is caused by childhood trauma. And um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's kind of where where my work has gone. And yeah, that that's I love that you call it joy work, right? Instead of homework. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I like- yeah. I like the, I like home play, but I guess it's all the same, really, right? Joy work, home play. And, um, and that you connect the dots between their dis-ease, right? And, um, and help them over a period of time. I find that interesting that you've noticed that it's the younger women. Yeah. For whatever reason, whoever's ready to do the work, they will. And and another resource. Look, I'm I'm going to replace all your men. <laughs> another yeah, resource. Good. You do that. <laughs> In my work, I've I use um, Dr. Christine Northrop. So she actually was, uh, I believe, a general practitioner. And in, in her practice, maybe she was a gynecologist. I can't remember. But anyway, I've got a couple of her Bibles um, here. But it's women's. Uh, bodies women's wisdom is one of the books she wrote I want to say in the early 21st century and she actually talks about what you just said Um, autoimmune diseases usually come from you know types of trauma she doesn't necessarily pinpoint childhood trauma Uh, one of the case studies that she cites in her book in this particular book was really a woman uh, who, I guess it was through the course of her marriage, right? So this would be adult trauma and um, just years of frustration being held in the joints. And that's what causes uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And, um, And once, you know, the woman was able to let that go, 
her arthritis was gone, you know? And then, you know, energetically, you were talking about back pain. I'm not really sure where in the back, but usually the lower back, right, is the um, the kidneys. And we have Louise Hay, who, right. you know, talks about, was it healing the body? I don't remember the name of that book, but I personally have never read the book because I, I backed into this uh, through using food as medicine, you know, which is an Islamic um, in the practice of Unani Tib. And so we understand that dis-ease, like we've been talking about during the conversation, is uh, basically the spirit and the body are misaligned. Mm -hmm. And so to bring them back into alignment, you have to do the spirit work with your body. So you've got your Reiki and the dancing, you know, and it's like we... Um, I, I love the way you came to create what you're bringing to women and that not only are you helping the women there in London, but you have an online platform where you're, you can help women everywhere in the world. And, you know, for those who resonate with your style of healing, you know, you're, you're there for them and they, they will find you. And so we, we have so many opportunities and that's that's why I wanted to talk to you and have this conversation with you because like I feel like there's so much dis-ease in the world and there's not enough of us, you know, you and me type of people to help them. And so just having this conversation and publishing this for people to hear so that they can find you or they can find me or whoever it is I'm talking to that day to get what they require is so important because look at what we're doing to ourselves. We're literally killing our own brothers and sisters. You know, um, at the time that we're recording this, there's just horrible things happening. You know, you, um, what the last time we spoke, right, two weeks ago, you didn't understand why you got this message about Jericho and you were like, why, you know, and it ended up being exactly where war is happening right now. I hate to use that word. And, and it's, you know, just like I'm Muslim and you're Jewish, we're, we're literally sisters, right? And we're able to have this beautiful conversation on how to heal women from the inside out. And then, you know, our brothers and sisters are someplace in the world killing each other for the outside in, you know? Yeah, and it just, I just got shivers when you said that because I forgot that that part of it. I forgot, I knew we'd had the conversation where I was being led to the West Bank on my, on my, on my computer and I didn't know why and it was literally a few days before and you came into my life and we had this conversation. Now I remember about you being Muslim and me being Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. And I had totally, I don't even know why that came up. Mm -hmm. um, but now I look back on that conversation and I think about this conversation and how we've ended up doing this. Um, you know, I really feel strongly that we, the divine feminine intervened and brought us together um, to give us to, to make us have this conversation and we didn't know what the conversation and what the relationship and was was for or what you know what is it we're doing here 
Um, so we've just pressed record today and having this conversation and so much is coming out. So much is coming out and so much is being present. And can I just add, just to go back slightly, just to the question you asked about the change in the women that I see, mm-hmm. I just have to add in something. One of the women that um, that um, recently that, that came to a sacred sexuality workshop that I ran, um, she couldn't sit cross-legged at all. Like it would make her... because of her 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 own trauma her her own sexual trauma or possibility of that she couldn't sit cross-legged and yesterday she sat in front of me the whole way through our uh first half of our coaching session for one hour she sat cross-legged in front of me and I just wanted to um, just, just, yeah, that was. Just, I just, just, rem- just rem- reminded in my in my mind because when we sit in our cross legs, we're opening up our hip flexors. We're opening yeah. up the part of our body that can often make us cry because it's a place that we store trauma. And women who've been traumatized find it very difficult in the hips. Mm-hmm. So um, this was someone who sat in front of me yesterday, having made some really remarkable changes. Uh, in a few weeks and so yeah just just what I just um presence that so if there's any women listening that find it difficult in their hips and they want to know why it may be that they're storing past trauma yeah and and also uh that that makes a lot of sense because the vagus nerve you know comes right through there and if there's yeah that that is uh completely shut down if it's completely shut down, you're not going to be able to open your hips, you know, or move them. I've had women. um, So I do a bit of movement in my workshops. You know, I think it's more fun than just listening to me talk and doing journaling and stuff. Right. And I'll have women tell me usually older women, older, I guess that's like our age (laughs) (laughs) contemporaries of ours oh, you know, I can't move my hips like that because whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just invite them to, you know, be with one side or the other, you know, the right side and, you know, and then the left side and be gentle with their bodies. And, you know, usually eventually, like you said, in some weeks, they're able to be more comfortable in, in moving their hips but it, but it's a process and it's, it's a willingness that has to, you know, to, to do the work and be in the work. And I think in, in the case of the woman that you're talking about, it could also be the Reiki healing, you know, that you do combined with your coaching and the movement. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and presencing that because that's, that's super important for, for the purpose of observable evidence, right? Yeah. You know, people don't believe things because they don't have observable evidence. And sometimes just knowing that there's another woman out there that struggled with what they are currently experiencing and she overcame quickly. Now they have observable evidence that they can too. So thank you for sharing that. I'd just like to add in that five years ago, I also couldn't sit cross-legged. <gasps> yeah, I'm sitting here now. And I yeah, I see you. Through every conversation. And it's not 100% comfortable, but I do it every day um, for the same reason. 
that I hadn't released the trauma in my body but because I've released the trauma and um, I've done the work I can now sit cross-legged but before that it wasn't even possible for me to do that but I didn't know why until after Mm. the trauma was released yeah yeah so yeah so her mirroring that to me I think it was only yesterday was quite extraordinary (laughs) oh I bet that was profound for you yeah so I guess one thing we haven't really talked about her presence too much I think we've been talking about it, but I just want to make it obvious for listeners, right? So everything we've been talking about are the keys to unlock the possibility of you being multi-orgasmic, right? Um, And people may not hear it that way, but do you want to break it down um, from your perspective? How, yeah, go ahead. Well, the way that I see that is that when we start to embody or be embodied, when we start to bring the alignment of the body, mind and spirit together, then we surrender. We are surrendering. It's like just saying the word surrender just helps me to just go, ah, you know, loosen my body. I feel lighter already by using the word surrender. So because I feel embodied in my body, I surrender. And when I surrender, I surrender to all that is. I surrender to trust. I surrender to forgiveness. I surrender to the universe. I surrender to to truth. I surrender to just knowing everything will be okay. And when you surrender to, to trust and truth and knowing everything will be okay, and you're not pushing and pulling and being in the crazy world we live in, then you can be more intimate with yourself. You can surrender to yourself and to to your womb space and to your yoni and to all the nerve endings and to the nurturing and all the things that you know come within your your root and your sacral chakra opening yourself up to the possibility of being as you say multi-orgasmic and you know if you have the privilege of having a partner then that's amazing if you have if you don't it's still about you being able to have the opportunity to let your body you know ride the waves of 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 life so when you orgasm your body goes through this rush of life and openness and expansion and connection to the universe that you can only really receive through 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 the orgasm um and even if it's a fleeting moment if you can have a few fleeting moments of multi-orgasms because you're surrendering to trust and that you'll be held um by your spirituality, by your embodiment of of life, um, then then everything everything is healed through the orgasm. Everything, all the hormones that are released through the orgasm, it's like giving yourself this whole electric shock through the body of 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 um, of healing. Um, so yeah, when we surrender, we can be. We can be orgasmic. It is it, 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 possible to 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 achieve that, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, the energetic reciprocity definitely opens up and the enlightenment comes through and the deeper connection with self and with partner, if you have one, or just with other humans, like that heart opening. My my feeling is, and thank you for that lovely description of how, you know, being multi-orgasmic is, I, 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 as you were speaking, I was seeing like ellipses going out as like light rays, right? And then when you walk down the street, there's other people with their own ellipses, right? So you actually can affect someone with your own energy. You know, we always are, right? If you're walking around sourpuss, you know, you're making somebody else unhappy. And if you're walking around in multi-orgasmic, people don't know why they feel joy when they're around you. And just imagine if every home was full of multi-orgasmic people and then we go out into the world. I innocently believe there would be no war because everybody would be too much in their joy and bliss to want to fight. And um, so I think that's the beauty of the work and the simplicity of it. But as we see, it's not easy, right? Because if it was easy, we'd all be multi-orgasmic. Although, as I, you know, we said before we were recording, I was telling you, it's a scientific fact. Because inside the vagina, there are literally at least seven spots where you can have an orgasm. And that's just science, right? And then there, but there are even more types of orgasms. There have been recorded up to about 17 types of orgasms. And, um, and, but consistently I did a Google search, like last week I was working on an article. I haven't seen any articles that talk about more than seven. And even those were not talking about the seven spots with inside the vagina. They only mentioned three. Like we often hear about the G spot. Everybody, I don't know if anybody knows where it is, but <laughs> G spot P spot, A spot, right? But then there's the C spot, the U spot, and then of course the introitus um, and the clitoris, you know? So there are places scientifically where you should be feeling, you know, immense sensation. And, and that is also a source of um, be, beyond the physical pleasure, that is a source of connection and enlightenment with the spiritual mm. realm and your spiritual self. So, yeah. yeah I, think... and I, I was going to add in there that since I've been a, you know, Kundalini uh, teacher and using Kundalini that, um, you know, the whole breath work and the whole pulling up of the Mula Bandha, the Uriana Bandha and using the third eye um, has allowed me to reach orgasm um, from just that practice itself. And you know, um, Kundalini yoga is is has is kind of you know there's there's a focus there's always been a focus on that because when you pull up your pelvic floor and you pull up the energy through the body through the third eye, you are producing this orgasmic sensation through the body that reaches that helps you to reach your enlightenment that helps you to reach your awakening. Um, and the fact that the, the, the sacral chakra has the same mudra as the third eye and your intuition and your, your pineal gland and your pituitary gland um, that creates your sex, sex hormones are, are, are deeply connected 
through um, the third eye to to the sacral chakra. Um, this, you know, there is a whole, you know, spiritual connection, science, spirituality. It all comes back to the womb. It all comes back to the yoni. It all comes back to to this space that has the answer to life, to all life, to all humanity, to all connection. And, you know, when you talk about the multi-orgasmic senses in the body, I'm sure that um, th that it all relates to touch as well, to, to the other senses that allow you to have orgasms outside of touch. You can have orgasms just from, you know, maybe from eye gazing, if you eye gazing with the right person, um, the intimacy that people have. And going back to humanity, you know, that's one end, you know, it's all war and inhumanity, if you like. The other end being of the opposition, being humanity, this, that is the ultimate connection, isn't it? The ultimate connection um, and the ultimate nemesis of, you know, is, is kind of war and the opposite of a nemesis. Um, maybe you remind me of the word for that is, is the multi-orgasm. It is the fully humane, understanding of each other and who we are on this planet yeah i just say it's for our ultimate joy <laughs> right as the ultimate joy goddess so yes of you know... course of course of course yes you are of course <laughs> absolutely I, right i say we, it looks like we may need to do another uh episode on the physiology of orgasm right <laughs> because we're kind of bringing it in <clears throat> at the end here but we you you gave you gave the overview of the physiology of orgasm um and yeah science is catching up to the the reality of uh, the spirituality that is within us so i've <clears throat> i've so immensely enjoyed this conversation with you today Claudia and um thank you for sharing your gift with the world and with my listeners here on the free to be show is there any final thoughts you would like to put in this space defending love and light and peace across the world today and offer satnam which is i am truth you are truth we are all truth Let's live in truth and love. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. And for those of you who are listening, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you for being present for the Free to Be Show with the possibility of joy within you. Now go into the oceans of your mind and integrate and stimulate the body wisdom within you today. Create the remainder of your day differently. Be a stand for who you be. Experiment with using your voice. And if you require a soft place to land in community, connect with me at theultimatejoygoddess.com Together we will explore the joy within you. Until next week, be free.